join us if you dare. It's movie night at your drive-in of terror. Each week, you'll hear about one campy movie for a laugh. One terrifying feature sure to scare your pants off. And one kid-friendly scare for the little ones. Or not-so-little ones, needing a little less terror. The show's about to start. Get comfy and sit down in front. Oh, and one more thing. This episode contains spoilers. Consider yourself warm. Enjoy the show, if you're brave enough. Take it away, Shay. I'm Shay. I'm here with my good friend Tom. Pull on into our driving of terror for season two, episode 12 of Scare Your Pants Off. It's movie night. Tonight's episode, our fright filled feature, is Pet Cemetery. You grab the snacks, we'll kill the lights. How you doing, Tom? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm really good. And I'm really excited to tell you about an absolutely garbage movie I watched most of. Oh, okay. I love it. What is it? It's on, I think it was on Netflix, and it was Attack of the Killer Donuts. I have not heard of this. It might be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And I am actually going to go back and watch the end of it because I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> but it was awful. And basically, this uh, this kid, no, I shouldn't say kid, he's a guy, he lives with his mom, and uh, he has like a scientist uncle that lives downstairs, and somehow like some, a toxin that he's working on ends up somehow getting to the donut shop the kid works at and into the fry later and then all of the donuts that are cooked in that fry later basically come alive and they kill and they kill whoever orders them basically and it's so bad but if you honestly if if you're bored i know it's not our campy for the day but if you're bored for the love of god check it out it's it might be the worst thing i've ever seen but it's i am yeah. watching that this weekend i yeah. i am it's on netflix you said i think so yeah so do you have you seen or do you remember Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Yes, that's what that's what was my first thought. I was like, okay, I have to, I have to. It's it's honestly, it's it's campier than that. Oh wow! Yeah, it's, wow. Because that I I got when I first saw that, being young, that was the campiest movie I'd seen to that point. The acting is way worse. Really it's yeah it's again it's one of those things that you gotta see it to believe it i'm there's nothing i'm gonna say that's gonna do it any form of justice in 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 anything but um yeah you, you just watch it <laughs> yes I, I i i wrote it down i am definitely checking that out this weekend uh, that that just sound attack of the killer donuts that is amazing it's so bad but how how are you though how are you doing i'm good uh just busy you know like, like always just work a lot a lot of overtime um trying to think if i watched any, any any good movie i mean i know we already talked about it in an earlier episode black phone that was great um, so good uh, um i have i can't think of any any horror that oh that's what i wanted to 
Uh, did you watch The Resort? Uh, yes. Apple or Peacock or something? I think, it, I think it was Peacock, but yeah. I I think, refresh my memory. I think I did. So it, it, the family, they're taking a trip um, and the kids with his girlfriend and uh, on the plane ride, he looks at her phone when she's asleep and he sees that she's cheating on him with her professor and there's a dick pic and then he meets a girl down at the resort and then they're looking for Esperanza or something like that. It's this place outside of time. Yep. I have you, seen it. You, you've watched the whole, every episode? Uh, not, oh, I'm thinking of something different. What am I thinking of then? I guess I haven't seen it because what I'm thinking of is a movie. I don't think so I've seen that then. It was a show. It just finished up. Um, called okay. Maybe it was Roy. I was talking to about it. Okay, if you, I would check it out if you haven't seen. it. I believe it's Peacock actually. Um, and it's you know I think it's six or eight episodes, not super long. But I was curious to hear you if, if you had seen it the uh, the final episode, what your thoughts were because I really really loved it and then. I, I think I still really like it, but I the last episode, it was a little, I thought they could have done more. But, uh, okay, if you haven't seen it, check, definitely put that on your list. Check out the resort because it's, it's, it's weird and it's not really horror, but it, it's got some paranormal elements to it and stuff. So, um, no, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. It's, I mean, it's not. Yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking there's a movie or something that sounds just like so. I'll, I'll have to figure out what I'm thinking of too, so I can tell you. But there probably is a resort, the resort movie as well, or something um, being a common thing. But okay, all right. Well, you have the campy movie today, right? For those looking for a laugh, it's time for the campy. I do, and I know I sound like a broken record, but I love this franchise. I do. It's um, it started. Uh, I mean, it's. I'm talking about the 1993 American comedy horror film that was written and directed by Mark Jones, starring Warwick Davis in the titular role and um jennifer aniston in her film debut and this what i'm talking about is leprechaun and i love these it 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 spawned a whole sort of franchise that got progressively more campy the first one definitely was campy um because i mean it's a it's a killer leprechaun obviously but it was a little more straight horror as opposed to some of the later ones that came out that really, really lean into the camp. And I really like that because that's sort of the the template that Chucky has done um, where, you know, they started as just kind of straight horror, but realized in order to keep this going and it not to become a parody of itself, they had to embrace the campiness and stuff. And Leprechaun kind of does the same thing, but it's way more campy than, especially the later films, than any of the the Chucky can't. Because in Chucky, they were able to walk that line a little better, as opposed or Child's Play, as opposed to a Leprechaun, where it gets pretty silly by the last few, aside from the the reboot origins. So, anyway, it was uh, produced by Trimark Films. 
again, starred in Warwick Davis, Jennifer Aniston, Mark Holton. Uh, it was released in January of 1993, has a runtime of 92 minutes, so fairly short. Um, it had a budget of a million dollars and did 8.6 million at the box office. So that's pretty, pretty damn good um, for a movie with a budget over a million. It's done. Um, it's got done a lot more since between video on demand, DVD sales, whatever. It's built this cult status. So let's get into it a little bit. In 1983, Dan O'Grady returns to his home in North Dakota from a trip to his native Ireland. While there, he stole a pot of gold from a leprechaun that he had interrogated. After burying the gold, O'Grady discovers that the evil leprechaun has followed him home and murdered his wife. Obviously distraught, O'Grady uses a four-leaf clover to suppress the leprechaun's powers and trap him inside a crate. So uh, they establish right off the rip here that uh, four-leaf clovers actually weaken and suppress the powers of leprechauns. And that's very important throughout the whole series. So while he's trapped inside the crate, O'Grady's plan is to burn him because his powers are suppressed. This should just kill, this should kill the leprechaun outright. But unfortunately, before he can burn it, he suffers a stroke. So then we uh, jump to 10 years later and J.D. Redding and his uh, teenage daughter, Tori, rent the O'Grady farmhouse for the summer. Uh, they hire some contract workers, uh, Nathan Murray, his 10-year-old brother, Alex, and they're uh, slow, dimwit. I hate using those terms, but just maybe not as intelligent friend, Ozzy Jones, uh, to help repaint farmhouse. And while looking around the basement, Ozzy, the, the dimwitted or just not as intelligent friend, uh, starts to hear a cry for help. And it sounds like it's coming from the crate over over in the corner. And he mistakes the cry for a for a little child because it's a high pitched and there's an Irish accent. And so he brushes as he's going to open it. He brushes the four leaf clover off the top and on top of the crate, thus keeping the leprechaun trapped inside. And uh so he brushes it off to open it and now the leprechauns you know gets his powers back and becomes gets full strength and gets out of the the crate that he'd been trapped in for a decade uh so when the leprechaun gets out he tells ozzy that he works as a shoemaker in ireland but came to america looking for his gold so obviously excited and you know, whatever, Ozzy runs to tell his friends about the leprechaun, but they don't believe him. And like I said, he is maybe not as smart, a little slow. So they just kind of, they kind of brush him off. So then Ozzy spots a rainbow and begins to chase it, believing that he will find a pot of gold at the end. Friend Alex accompanies him because he's afraid that Ozzy could potentially hurt himself and when they eventually do get to the rainbow they uh find a bag of 100 gold 
coins. It almost like basically just appears in front of Ozzy. Uh, after Ozzy passed the gold, yeah, which I love, it always reminds me of cartoons of the old, like in the old West or even just stuff where they would get a piece of silver, a piece of gold, and they'd bite it to, oh mm -hmm. yeah, real, like, like just tapping it on your teeth, you can tell real gold or something. And, but in doing so, he accidentally swallows the coin. And that's kind of important. Um, they take the rest of the stash and stash it in an old well and plan to keep it for themselves and hoping that maybe they can fix Ozzy's brain. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, some of it might be a little problematic, just but um, so from there, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but you know, craziness starts to ensue because we have this leprechaun that wants to get his gold back. We have these people that want to keep their gold and they're trying to figure out how to, you know, gold. It's not like you can just walk into a store with gold and you know buy a you know a pack of gum or a car or something so they they're trying it shows them trying to figure out how they can you know get you know the money's worth in the go from the gold um a lot of we see a lot of kills the leprechauns uh, he's also a little foul mouthed uh so which i like but in the later films, it gets, they force it a little bit, you know, try to make them a little too funny and it comes across as just kind of, kind of cringe. But in this first one, because it still is more traditionally horror, even though they do have the comedy in it, it's, uh, it, it's not as jarring as it is in later films. Uh, so, you know, like I said, just uh, craziness ensues and we, we see a lot of kills which is, you know, and we get to a lot of different locations like nursing homes, stores where they're trying to sell the gold, all that, um, which is building up to the climax. So uh, they realize that the way to suppress or kill a leprechaun, is you have to use a four-leaf clover to, again, like I said, it's it helps to help suppress their uh their powers luckily there's a patch outside the farmhouse that has a lot of four-leaf clovers so tori grabs one and and brings it in and alex uh takes the four-leaf clover and sticks it in a wad of gum and shoots the leprechaun which melts him away and I, I i i forgot that the leprechaun i should have said this right before that but the leprechaun you know as you're trying to get all his gold back they realize that that one remember i told you was important is actually in ozzy's stomach so he is gonna get it one way or another out of there and really the only way is to kill ozzy unless you wait for him to pass it at some point but i don't think the leprechaun is gonna wait for you know a bowel movement so um so anyway he shoots him with the water gum and he melts away and they push him into the well and we think all is good but oh no no the skeleton of the leprechaun climbs out and continues to go after the group nathan pushes him back down into the well and then you know pours some gasoline down there and blows up the well 
And then in the next morning, the cops arrive and investigate the remains of the well. Um, and we find out actually the leprechaun is not really dead. And he vows that he cannot and will not rest until he has every last piece of gold. And that is the first film. And like I said, this first film, they all had comedy in them. The first, actually, one, two, and three were still, you know, they leaned heavier into the horror, but had comedy. And then in some of the later ones, it was more comedy with horror aspects. And I'll, I'll just briefly kind of get into the, the sequels and reboot. So this was followed in 1994 by Leprechaun 2. And then in 1995 with Leprechaun 3, again, like I said, these were a little more straightforward horror with comedy aspects. Then that was followed two years later in 1997 by Leprechaun 4 in space. Oh, yes. Leprechaun goes to space. Where a lot of horror, well, not a, well, a good amount of horror franchises and or the iconic figures were heading into space we had jason in space and it was just it was there was uh there was a little that was a little phase in horror and then that was followed three years later in 2000 with leprechaun in the hood and now it's like full-on just campy kind of bad cringy horror at this point uh a lot of famous rappers are in these uh, i think like busta rhymes and just a lot of famous hip hop people in that. And this was followed three years later by L Leprechaun Back to the Hood, mm -hmm. uh, where he goes back. Again, very, very silly, very campy, cringy. And then in 2014, so 11 years later, they did a reboot, which I kind of liked, um, called Leprechaun Origins. So, yeah, to that is what I have for Leprechaun. Your thoughts on the franchise? Well, and so I, just, I, huh? I said franchise or just particular movies, whatever you. So I have not seen all of them. I I know I've either seen. I, I think I've seen at least big chunks of all of them, except for the first one. I know I've seen the first one. And I, I'll, I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. But what I can say is that he is absolutely the most ridiculously funny horror movie villain that you can possibly come up with. So, I mean, there's, I, that's all the merit it even needs because it's it it's worth a watch because it's ridiculous and it's it is it is funny and it's it's a very clever idea. So it's not like any other. You know, I mean, I I know you have like child's play and you have to like the little Chucky whatever, but it's, it's not the same. It's it's a totally yeah. I like the way they went with it though. Yeah, I don't. The one I think I haven't seen is Leprechaun Back to the Hood. I don't think I ever saw that. I think I've seen all the other ones. Again, it's it, it really is like this is, um, you know, this is like I, it's not one of my favorites. I guess I I say it about all of them that is, but I do love it it's but it, it's campy um it's definitely worth a check out guys if you haven't seen it i uh if you haven't seen any i would start right at the beginning and kind of work your way through and you can skip some towards the end if you're really not feeling it but i would say check this out if you're uh if you haven't seen it and you're a horror fan because 
it's what you said. <laughs> it's 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 different. It's different, and it's worth a check out. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I'm really excited to talk about the feature. We're talking about Pet Cemetery today. For those brave souls ready for a fright, it's time for the feature. Be it the book from 1983, the movie from 1989, or the movie from 2019, you can't go wrong. Read, read the book, watch both the movies. They are, it, it's all, they're all amazing. So, um, all three, the book and both the movies, follow the Creed family. You have Lewis Creed, Rachel Creed, Ellie Creed, Gage Creed, and Winston Churchill, uh, aka Church the cat. Um, the Creeds move to Ludlow, Maine to basically like simplify their lives a little, be a little less hectic, have more time for each other. Uh, Lewis is a doctor and he was coming from being a big city doctor to now he's a doctor at the local university. And, you know, he, he, he took it to slow down. And, it, and it's funny because on his first day, there's an accident someone gets hit by a car it's victor pascal and he becomes such a pivotal part of the movie he's a small part but he's a pivotal part and he passes away he doesn't survive the accident but he warns lewis about something that he doesn't quite get he warns him you know not to you know warns him about soil and he doesn't really fully understand doesn't quite know what he's talking about um one slight difference is in the in the 1989 movie and in the book they are actually moving from Chicago to Maine, but in the 2019 movie they're actually moving from Boston to Maine, which I don't hate. I'm from Massachusetts, so I I like anything that's a little local. So, no, one of the biggest differences is in the book Norma Crandall's a huge part of it. Like in in the beginning, well. More than a little more than the beginning, actually. Um, that's Judd's wife, and the both the families are are very blended. They're they're they do everything together. They hang out. They celebrate things, and you know, have dinner and whatnot. Uh, on Halloween night, Norma actually had a heart attack, and Lewis saved her. Uh, she would eventually go on to pass away uh, after the holidays. But in the 1989 movie, Norma's not mentioned at all. And I it's I thought that was a weird move, but I mean you still love Judd, you still love the story. And um but in 2019, Judd is openly talking about her. And eventually she becomes a part of his torment. He she becomes a visual tool used against him and it's very very cool and very very well done now in the book it's it's no secret at all um lewis really looks at judd like he's a father figure he looks up to him in a very fatherly way and it kind of makes you think that maybe he didn't get that as a kid or as you know as a young adult or whatnot in the 1980 movie the family is very close to judd pretty much from the get-go but in the 2019 movie i actually almost felt like they were very standoffish and they really treated Judd like he was kind of an inconvenience that they just had to deal with to be neighborly. Mm -hmm. No, there's 
one aspect that I, I really did like in the 2019 movie, and it's how Judd is with Ellie. There's a part, it's Halloween, and Ellie's in a little witch costume. She looks adorable. And um, she's ready to go trick-or-treating. She's trying to get her dad to hurry up, and he's talking to Judd. And she turns to him and she says, oh, I'm going to put a spell on you. And he looks at her and he says, oh, sweetheart, you already have. And my heart friggin' melted. But um, one of the big differences, too, is the path that's behind the house. In the book and in the first movie, uh, Judd kind of is like, oh, I'm gonna tell, I'll tell you guys about that. Well, you know, I'll take you on a walk or whatnot. And they do. And that's how they find out about where the act, like the regular pet cemetery is. In the 2019 movie, Ellie finds it immediately by herself. And that's where she runs into Judge. She gets stung by a bee or a wasp or a hornet. I can't remember what she's saying. And he takes the stinger out. And that's their introduction to Judd. I don't hate I don't hate that. I actually kind of like that Ellie found it on her own. I feel like it gave it a little bit of an eerie thing. And it was she was drawn to it because there was a procession of kids in these creepy, like paper mache looking masks walking down the path to the pet cemetery. Which is very creepy. <laughs> very, yeah, very, very creepy. So now in all three, the book, both movies, uh, Church dies and Judd takes Lewis with Church to the cemetery beyond the pet cemetery. The sacred ground or whatever, whatever the cursed ground, whatever you like to call it. And he has Lewis bury church there because Ellie loves church. And um, Judd kind of gives you a hint that, you know, it talks a little bit about like the Wendigo and uh, in the pet cemetery world, the Wendigo is something, an evil spirit that basically makes a human into a cannibal. And obviously when these things come back out of the ground, They've got a little bit of a taste for murdering people and probably eating a little bit of them. So um, one of the things in both movies that I um, I was absolutely blown away with the likeness was Zelda in both movies. And they were so well done, so creepy. And it's it's like they just plucked it out of the first movie and put it in the second movie and just enhanced the color a little. It was so well done. It was amazingly done. Yeah. Amazing. Now, I like in the 2019 one that they have more detail. Like, you saw Zelda in the 1989 one, and she was terrifying with the Rachel. You know, all, like, that was ugh, chills up my back thinking about that. But in the 2019 one, you see a lot more, and there's a lot more, like, of a demented nature there. And you really see what it did to Rachel. And then you see how she died, and there's a, the dumb waiter, and she falls down. Mm. It was all very very creepy very cool and i i like that it was there i like that it gave us that little extra you know whatever now the biggest difference between the 1989 obviously in the book and then the 2019 movie is in the first movie in the book uh gage is flying a kite with his dad and the kite kind of goes wayward and gage chases the kite and then they notice, oh crap, Gage is running towards the road. And Lewis runs and chases and runs and chases. And, you know, the wife is yelling, get the baby, get the baby. And he misses him. 
and it's it's feet that he misses him by and gage obviously gets hit by the truck and he dies and you have uh, the funeral scene and and gage's coffin falls over and that is like that part i remember when i was younger seeing that that just gave me like that gave me chills and it's you know it's a messed up part but in the 2019 movie i didn't know how to feel about this at first so they're at ellie's birthday party and gage runs towards the road again because apparently no one watches this kid yeah. for gage. <laughs> I know. and they know what the road is yes you think they watch but that's fine uh gage runs towards the road again and the dad actually grabs him just as the truck's coming and the truck swerves a little misses gage and the tanker part of it or the tank part of it, what do you want to call it sli slides off because the truck kind of tips and ends up sliding down the road and ellie is currently in the road because she sees church who who she thought ran away from home and that and the tanker part of it takes her out so ellie's the one that dies in this initially i didn't know how i felt about it and i didn't take me very long to realize how much I loved the change. And it's not that I didn't think Gage should die. I, I thought Gage was great in the first movie. I know they used a body double, but I mean, Gage was very young and you're limited by a lot of things when you have a kid that young. Yes. Ellie was so demented. You you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. I, uh... a yeah, there's a scene with it. She's in a little ballet outfit. Mm -hmm. and she's dancing and she starts this girl is incredible i just look out for her because she's she's coming and she's something fierce and she's gonna she needs to be in friggin' everything because she's amazing but they were able to do so much more killing her off than they could with gage because you, you just have so much more ability and one of my favorite scenes which was kind of not a scene in the first movie is when the mother came home because she went to after ellie died she went to go stay with her parents and then when lewis wasn't answering the phone she loaded gage up they got in the car and they and they drove back to the house and she's sitting there and she's talking to him she's talking to lewis and he's just like i just needed more time with her because she hasn't seen ellie yet and you know gage is standing next to lewis and then all of a sudden uh you see like a little like a the shadow of like her feet walking down the hall, like she's walking towards her mom. And then Gage looks over and he goes, Elephant. It chills, absolute chills. And then she hugs her, but she's not. Ellie was so great and so able to really portray that she was not okay. She was not her anymore. She was like this little evil version of her, which I know they tried with Gage, but it translated so much better with Ellie. I mean that's that's what I have for Pet Cemetery. What are your thoughts? Okay, so I love these films. I remember the original, and uh, and I was pretty young when it came out, but just being obsessed with it, like you know, horror. I remember watching it with my my father didn't like horror, but my mother did, and just watching it with her, and just it it being one as a kid, I think we ended up getting it on VHS and wearing and me and my brother ended up wearing out the tape um, from watching it. So I'm glad you, I'm, I really like how you broke this down with the differences because 
I had the same feeling at first when they switched Gage and Ellie, like who like Gage doesn't get hit and everything. I was like, oh boy, I don't know if the, I don't know if I'm gonna like this because classic as a kid, I I I I was so creeped out by Gage and like like you said, and I'm glad you brought up the challenges of working with children actors because there's a lot. First of all, they're children, so you know they don't have that reservoir of emotions that adults have. But there's also a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, like kids can't be in certain scenes and can only work so many hours a day. And that's why usually or a lot of shows, if they like have really young kids, they try to find twins. Mm -hmm. stuff, like they did with the Olsons and stuff because they can, you know, switch them in and out of, out of scenes easily. So it does prove a lot of challenges. Um, I, uh, I really, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this because it just, it, for me as a child, Gage was so iconic and so creepy and everything. But you're absolutely, I absolutely 100% agree w with your analysis there that she, it was a great choice because she was, and it was different. And also when you're doing a sequel or a requel or a reboot or whatever it is, um, it's it's nice to see some differences if they work you know what i mean like i i don't want a shot for shot you know remake of a movie or uh, you know like kind of like uh gus van zandt did with psycho or something i think it was gus van yeah. zandt you know and it was shot for shot and it was cool and that was and that was like him being a super fan of of hitchcock and everything like that but I found it interesting and all the changes they made worked in my opinion. And it was great. I, I, it's like, I, I can't, I, I still think I like the original better. I, um, but I really, really like the two nine, 2019. I really do. It was just, it was well done. Like I said, the change, the chain, the, I thought I would have been more bothered by the changes, but by the end of the movie, I was like, no, they were all great. Yeah. Um, that little girl, amazing. Like you said, Zelda, that was just unbelievable. <laughs> like it really did. It was so, I can't say enough good things about both. John Lithgow, like you said, how, I, I didn't know because it, Fred Gwynn, you know, Herman Munster, just iconic, just, very when you see he's a very dis, has a very distinct look he's a big guy distinct face and everything like that and he was very iconic in the original and i i love john lithgow but and i know that john lithgow is like a classically trained actor but he's done a lot of comedy and stuff yeah. so you're like uh-oh even though i know he has the ability i know he's classically trained i know he's you know amazing actor um I'm just like, ooh, I hope this doesn't come across. I hope, you know, slapsticky or anything. And John, and you, you, you don't forget about Fred Gwynn, but you're totally like, I, I was, like, yeah, John Lithgow's amazing. He just yeah. he did it. He was so so freaking good. Um, yeah, I can't, guys. If you haven't seen either, you need to like hurry up and see them. If you haven't seen the new one, for fear of maybe you know, you know, some people don't, you know, it's big gap in between. People don't want it like for the desperate what they love the first one. It does, it, guys. 
if you haven't seen it, check it out. Just can't say enough good things about these films. Just, just all time classics. Yeah. All time. All right. We're going to use Pascal's to rate. So on a scale of one to 10 Pascal's, I'm going to ask you to rate the movies separately. Okay. So for me, so I'll start with the original. For me, the original, and and I'm saying this, part of it goes into the first time I watched it, being the age I was when I watched it, and just the the impact it had on me and my brother and my family at the time. And the original, I am going to give that, oh boy, I'm going to give the original... Yep. 8.75. Ooh, nice. I yeah, I um I wanted I almost said nine, and then I'm like, oh, I don't want to blow up my scale the other way. It just it was this movie was so important to me coming up. Like it was just one of my in like it was a way me and my mother bonded and everything like that. So eight point seven five and yeah, eight five to eight point seven five. Now do you want me to rate the other one or you want to rate and then come nope. back? You rate. And then uh, um so the the remake then i would go or whatever the two, 2019 whatever it is um not the remake but uh i would go 7.75 to 8 somewhere in that range some so yeah it's funny our our ratings are very close, actually. So I'm I'm gonna go a little bit the other way, and I'm gonna I immediately I'm I'm original 1989 Pet Cemetery is an 8.5. Nice. It's solid. It's scary. It you know it feeds on. It it just feeds on fears that not a lot of movies touch on, and I it's and I think it's great, but I have to give the 2019 a nine. Because changing Ellie absolutely gave it a whole different level of of just deep seated demented fear, and I so I'm gonna have to go eight and a half for the 1989 and nine for the 2019. Nice, so very similar, yeah, yeah. And I, I you honestly, if I talked long enough, I could probably even switch them a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm because they're just that good nice very cool all right well i believe you have the kids recommendation today for the <coughs> little ones it's time for the kids scare i do and I, I again i sound like a broken record but this really is one of my all-time favorites. Not as much horror-y, but there's definitely horror elements, but it's not a, just a straightforward horror-like film. Um, and I'm talking about the 1985 American adventure comedy film, The Goonies. Oh, my God. Just iconic. Um, so it was... Directed by Richard Donner. The screenplay was by Chris Columbus. A story was by Steven Spielberg. Just three heavyweights right there in the industry. 
Um, and it was produced by Donner and uh, Harvey Bernard. And this cast now is sort of like a who's who. At the time, most of them were young, not super well-known. Martha Plimpton was, was, was pretty popular at the time. But, um, you know, and then Corey Feldman, obviously, the two Corys. But uh, we had Sean Astin. We had Josh Brolin, Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, Martha Plimpton, Kihui, Kwan, Data, Short Round, whatever you know him as. Um, just just amazing cast it was released in june of 1985 at a runtime of 114 minutes so a fairly long movie almost two hours um had a budget of 19 million which is pretty pretty high it's 1985 but it did 125 million at the box office and that's huge because that's 1985 nowadays that doesn't seem like that much but back then that's huge and it's going on to it's probably around a billion dollars at this point between video games, merchandise, you know, DVD, say you'll everything else, plat, whatever platforms it's on. So it's just, just a great, uh, just a great film. And uh, so basically brief, brief synopsis. Um, uh, these families and these kids and the main characters, the kids, they're uh, facing foreclosures on their home in the Goondocks area of Astoria, Oregon. Um, basically, an expanding country club is buying it all up and it's going to displace all these these families and these kids and they're all friends and they, 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 they this group of friends, they call themselves the Goonies because they're from, like I said, they're from that Goondock area in Astoria. So, you know, it's coming to an end and because, you know, they're all going to have to move. So they all get together uh, for one final weekend adventure together, having fun. And uh, so from there, they find a treasure map that is going to lead them to the legendary pirate one-eyed willie's gold and if they can find this treasure map maybe they can stop this development stop the expansion of the country club and they all can keep their homes they're not displaced and the goonies will stay together so and in doing so, uh, uh, so they have the treasure map. So they go looking for the treasure, and you know their fate. They get into a cave, and they're, you know, have to deal with booby traps and riddles, and you know all this cool stuff to get to the treasure. And all the while, they are being chased by a family of criminals, the Fratellis. And uh, you know, you have the mother, the and that, and the them, and you have Sloth who. Uh, I forget the actor's name, played by a football player, a giant slot, a great character. He's part of the family, but he's kind of deformed, disfigured, and slow. So they kind of they keep him sort of chained up all the time unless they need him for muscle. And, um, you know, he's 
actually treated very poorly by the family because of his look. He's got the weird ears, the, the ear that wiggles. And if you haven't seen it, you'll see it and you'll know why that's iconic. And I bring up the air wiggle. Everybody that's seen it knows the air wiggle. It's uh, maybe not necessary for the film, but it's just a cool little thing. I always I always enjoyed it and uh, add to it. And so you see uh, the character Chunk, played by Jeff Cohen, actually ends up you know, befriending Sloth after initially being terrified by him. He befriends him. They, he gives him a baby Ruth. They, uh, you know, and kind of is teaching Sloth how to say more words and everything, which will eventually have Sloth turn on his family and help the Goonies because Goonies never die. And um, Jeff Cohen and uh, yeah, so he'll turn on him and help help them through this adventure. And guys, like I said, this is so much fun. It's, this is fun for the whole family. It's got stuff for adults. It's got, but it, it it's so much fun for the kids. I just remember being a kid and like, I remember me and my friends afterwards, we would make our treasure maps and we would age them up by like putting water on them and trying to make them yellow, burning the edges. Cause yeah, we played with matches back then and stuff like that. And, uh, it just, it is, it's just iconic. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure 90% of our listeners have seen this in some form or capacity over the course of their life. Um, guys, check it out. It is so good. Like I said, Sean Astin, we got the iconic line. It's our time down here. Um, God, I, I can't say enough good things. It's just iconic. It reminds me of a story at a friend in college who, uh, you know, we did some theater and him auditioning with uh, that's the it's our time down here speech and the director being like, get out. You, this is a serious play. You, <laughs> you're you're uh, 20 years old. You cannot <laughs> uh, audition with a Goonies monologue. But uh-huh. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Um, yeah, guys, check this out. It's it's a, it's an all timer, and I I mean I it came out in '85. I was four when it came out, but and then you know it came out like two months before my fifth birthday. I was probably it was probably that age when I saw it. I don't know if I saw it in the theaters, but it's I you know there it's there's not really bad language there's a kiss but there's no sex scenes no gratuitous violence violence is kind of kind of campy kind of funny um especially for adults um check it out i mean i don't know what else to say what are your thoughts on it it's so it's (laughs) you forgot to mention that there is um statue penis oh yes okay i'm sorry that's right (laughs) um that is so funny that part for some reason stands out and always cracks me up when when they glue it on upside down and then they're thinking of the logistics of that um, <laughs> but it's i always love chunk and the ear i agree the ear is not necessary for the movie but it is the cutest most adorable friggin' thing yeah ever it i just love it um and and it's funny like as a kid i was quite a bit younger when i saw it and it's nothing really scared me and it chunk i mean not chunk uh sloth never scared me i thought he was kind of cool looking but actual i mean ma fratelli really scared 
really scared the crap out of me. She terrified me. I was mortified of her. Yeah, she was scary. Just this great actor. So call her Axel Rose. <laughs> uh, there's a similarity. There's a little yeah. bit of a similarity. Especially Axel now. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's what I mean. Like, I, <laughs> obviously, back then it wasn't the case, but um, yeah, yeah. No, I uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because she 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 did frighten me as a kid too. Of all the characters, because the you know the other one, the other son, he, he, it's kind of bumbling, bumbling, you know. But she that she was great. She was scary. You wanted her to get hers at the end, so. That's a great point. So, yep. um, and you think any age? God, I like you said you were what five when you saw it? Yeah, four or five, probably. Yeah, that's honestly, I say that's perfect. I mean, obviously, again, everybody use your discretion to your kids, but I, I can't think of anything wrong with this movie. And anything that might be, uh, a little, like more maturely humored is gonna go way over their head, and it's for you. So, yes. all right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, guys, if you haven't seen Goonies, I mean, you, no offense. And now that I've said no offense, I can say something offensive. Um, <laughs> so uh, get out from the rock you are living under and watch the Goonies because it is that good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. If, if you haven't seen it, I don't know where you've been. Just you need to catch up with everybody else. And, and it's, it's such a great movie. But Cool. All right, well, you got anything else? No, that's it today. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. Uh, meet us at the snack bar next week when Hereditary is on the big screen. Until then, sweet dreams. Thanks, guys. As always, thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to your hosts by email at scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook. Be sure to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications wherever you get your podcasts. If we haven't scared you away yet, you're our kind of people. So check under your bed and keep your feet under the covers and those closet doors shut. <laughs> Till next week, my friends. <laughs>